It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 169, entitled New Platformitis. It was recorded on Monday, the 28th of June, 2021. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Paul Lacey, and this week also by Jamie Marsland and Philip Levine, so that we can have a chat about the WordPress news for this week. And as is always the case, there's plenty to talk about. We first of all get into the CMS market share that WordPress dominates in, 42% and counting, but what comes in second and third place? You may be surprised. We also talk about Elementor. They've produced an article explaining their entire ecosystem by the numbers, and there's a lot of numbers to deal with. Theme lock-in. It was a thing. Is block locking going to be a thing as well? We talk about a Justin Tadlock piece on WP Tavern. And then some product news, plugin updates. There's a new product called Orderable. And we also have updates from Astra, the page builder framework, and a significant update from iThemes going over to version 7 and a complete overhaul of their UI. We talk about the fact that I'm going to be doing a WS form webinar later this week and give you details about how you can join that. And then there's a product over on AppSumo. It's a new page builder, should we need one, called Zion Builder. And you can get it for $99. And finally, we do talk about Ninja Forms and a deal that they've got going on at the minute, just before we round out with our picks of the week. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This Week in WordPress was brought to you by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Tests in record time? The new AB Split Test plugin for WordPress will have you up and running in a couple of minutes. Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is that it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder, and the WordPress Block Editor. Go check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody this fine day? It is This Week in WordPress, episode number... I've actually got it this time. It's episode number 169. The reason I know that is because it's at the top of the screen I'm staring at, whereas normally that's truncated because we're trying out a new bit of software. We've been using this fantastic bit of software called StreamYard, but just because technology allows us to try competitive things, we've moved over to a different thing called Restream, so forgive me if the technology breaks, but um, the intention is that it'll behave exactly as normal. Um, speaking of normal, <laughs> Paul Lacey. Uh, what What are you trying to say? <laughs> no idea. How are you doing? You all right? I'm okay. Yeah. You know when you, like, this is uh, episode 169, all that is in my mind is 169, dude. And I know it's not supposed to be 169, but. Oh, Bill you know, and Ted's. Yeah, from Bill and Ted. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Bill and Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, Thank you for joining me once again, Paul. We've got two brand new faces. We've not had these guys on the show at all. So I'm going to hand it over, as I always do, to Paul to introduce today's fabulous guests. All righty. Well, first of all, uh, we've got Jamie from Poodle Press. Hi. And hello, Jamie. And uh, Poodle Press was born 10 years ago, but Jamie is actually definitely older than 10, as far as I can tell, anyway. So I guess Poodle Press is the company. And um, so, you have trained over 5,000 people on WordPress in the last 10 years. So I imagine you've got a course and you do indeed have a course and you, you run a WordPress course for The Guardian, yeah. which is one of the major um, newspapers in the UK, uh, probably pretty world famous as well, I think The Guardian. So I yeah. didn't even know The Guardian 
had a WordPress course, but it does, and you've done it. And also, as well as that, you've got uh, Poodle Press, which is, um, I think you do agency work, but you mainly focus on the plugins, the series of plugins that you create. And there's a ton of plugins for WooCommerce that you've done. And you kind of, I guess your areas, as far as I can tell, is WooCommerce and the block editor. That's That's your niche. Would that be about right? Yeah, exactly. We started off as a purely training business, and now we're a training stripe plugin business, essentially. Yeah, and and now, hundred percent of our plugins are Gutenberg block editor based plugins. That's what we've invested in over the last two years, which has been a fun and challenging and interesting journey for sure. Yeah, also, we might get into that. Yeah. <laughs> in other ways. Yeah. Oh, it's great to have you on, Jamie. And also, we've got Phil, uh, who is the president stroke owner of uh, South Florida Web Advisors. And you've been building websites since 1997, specializing in WordPress and managing and maintaining over 400 websites, which some of those are your direct clients and some of those are your agency clients. So you like mental pain, I guess. That's one of your things. Is that right? No, I mean, it's, you know, the tools of WordPress that are out there, the management tools and so forth, it's allowed me to scale the business. I'm a one-person business managing that many sites. Now, most of them are brochure sites that, other than plugin updates, I'm never having to do any other sort of updates. But, you know, WordPress has allowed me to scale my business that way. It's it's great, yeah. And we met at the page, at Nathan's event, didn't we? The Page Builder Summit. And as I understand it as well, you're a GoDaddy Pro um, brand ambassador. Is that what they're called? Yeah, the name is is a bit fluid, but yes, I'm a GoDaddy Pro. I know the platform. I support, you know, I I do a lot on their their community channel and I'm very involved with the GoDaddy environment, but I'm not exclusively GoDaddy by any means. No, 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 of course not, no. But, the, I mean, I use Manage WP. I don't use yep. the uh, – I, I was already on Manage WP, so I never I never turned into the, the GoDaddy branded version of that. But it's like you said, you, you know, you're looking after 400 websites. I look after about 70. And the tools that you need to do it are amazing, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Well, it's great to have you on, Philip. And um, yeah, Nathan, uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to say before we, uh, any questions you want to ask? At all? Yeah, because this platform's slightly new, um, there's several places you could be watching this. Oh, that's quite nice. They look good. Um, <laughs> the the comments look different. That's one thing. But if you do want to comment, you're either going to be at wpbuilds.com forward slash live, in which case you're logged into Google, that's <clears> YouTube, <throat> or you could be in our Facebook group, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. But my understanding is that Restream need you to sort of give your permission if you don't want to be anonymous and you want your icon to go along with your comment, you have to go to chat.restream.io forward slash FB and click a button which says, I give permission. So, yes, basically do that. The other things to mention are probably not that important, but if you do have anything to say, go for it, stick it in the comments, and we'll see how this platform copes with that, whether they pop up easily for me to sort of put in. looks like a couple of people have done that. So, as an example, this person obviously didn't know to do that. Hello, got my usual seat in the comments. I don't know who that was. I'm no idea, but if you want to go and click that link, that would be helpful. Oh, Poodle Press is based in my hometown. Lovely. Another one. That's got to be Chris Hughes because he's okay. talking about webs. So, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris, click click the button uh, or go to that link that I mentioned just a moment ago. And there's Cameron yet again. It's probably like four in the morning in 
Australia. So thank you, Cameron, for maintaining, staying up and sticking with us. I really appreciate that. Right. Okay. Let's see if I can make that screen work. Did that go on? Yay. Look, new view. People on the right nice. instead of on the left. That is quite nice. Um, so we are WP Builds, blah, blah, blah. Do it every week. It's the same thing. Nothing's changed. So I won't dwell on that too long. I'm going to hand it straight over to Paul. I'm in a bit of a rush today because I know Jamie's got to be off in about 30 minutes. So mm. let's just get stuck right into it. Okay. So the first one is on the juiced.blog. <laughs> I don't know if I've said, have I pronounced that right? Juiced or is it? Yoast. 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 Oh, okay. So Yoast is the pronunciation. So Yoast.blog, but it's not, the website isn't pronounced like Yoast the plugin. It's the correct spelling of uh, Yoast's name. So it's J-O-O-S-T dot blog. And it is the um, founder of the Yoast plugin um, who does every six months a kind of CMS market share analysis. And so he's done another one. I guess it's been six months. And as usual, it is showing that WordPress is growing hugely. And based on this, let's just see what the share is at the moment. Based on the the, the stats at this point, it's showing WordPress as 41.7% of the market. Some of the other um, highlights of it are that Shopify has now overtaken Joomla as the number two spot. Wow. And has, yeah, and has a 3.6 market share, which is... Sounds pitiful, but it's a huge amount of websites. It's just that WordPress has got so many. So Joomla's on. Joomla seems to uh, be losing market square. Uh, Squarespace, which was relatively stable six months ago, is growing again now at one point seven percent and has overtaken Wix. And Wix also grew and is also at one point seven percent, the same as Squarespace. But I guess Squarespace has just got slightly more, um, a few hundred thousand more installs or something like that. Drupal's on the down, and something that I've never oh. even heard of called uh, Bitrix. Mm. Um, and so Bitrix, Blogger, and Magento are all relatively stable, but on a very small um, small amount there. So as usual, uh, WordPress is growing, so that's great. So I'm wondering to the out to the panel today, why is WordPress growing? And what do you think about the growth that it's achieving? And, and what's... What, in your opinions, is this is this growth down to? Um, I'll go. I'll, well, a few things. One is pandemic, and if you look at WooCommerce's growth, which I also saw released the other day, that yep. that's grown, still grown incredibly quickly. So the pandemic definitely, and we saw this in our plugin sales last year. There was a, there was a big growth in WooCommerce sites because of the change of people's behaviour. So definitely from the e-commerce side, we've got we're WordPress through WooCommerce has had a would have had a big sort of shift in momentum as well, which would have continued its growth. Um, as opposed to that, I'm not sure what else would be growing it apart from its continued, you know, dominance in the, in the market. Really, well, WooCommerce uh, is growing faster than um, faster than Shopify. That's yeah. something worth mentioning as well. It's they, yeah. they expected Shopify to be growing faster than WooCommerce, but um, based on six months ago figures, but now. WooCommerce has accelerated and is is exceeding um, Shopify. Sorry, Phil, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it also has to do with features and functionality in some of the other platforms. Like I, I have a client that I've just been recently onboarding that was with Wix um, and that they were really, they were doing some commerce through Wix and they needed to do something with coupons, whatever it was that the Wix platform just couldn't do it 
that they ended up moving their shopping cart over to uh, Shopify. And they said, if I'm moving that, why do I still need to use Wix? And they said, I'd rather have a platform that has more flexibility and can grow with me as I have needs. And so we moved them over to WordPress for their marketing site. And in time, we'll probably move them from Shopify into WooCommerce. So everything's in one place. But I think that that has a, a significant thing to do with it as well is that you know, while it's great that everything is all built by one company, if they don't allow for some flexibility in features and functionality, then people aren't going to stay with them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the one of the, I'll just quickly put this slide back up. I, I just don't, I don't know how typical this is in in any industry. If because I mean, what have we got there? I mean, I know it's over thirty percent, but forty two percent roughly. I, I just don't know if that's normal because if I think about things like social networks, it feels to me like. Facebook's probably on par with that, maybe more. And if I was thinking about search engines or something, I'm imagining Google would be like the the dark gray and the blue combined. Yeah. Um, it just seems like in, te- in certainly in the technology space, you know, not on the high street where there's just you know there's like four mobile phone shops, but on in tech it feels like some things just rise to the top and dominate, and I don't know why that is. Yeah, they they rise to the top, but they can be. They can be agitated, and um, and sometimes you know big chunks can be knocked off things. Uh, you know, at the moment, like you said about the social social media stuff, and you know Apple battling with the privacy stuff with Facebook, that's going to cause some you know major shifts. I think yeah. in percentages. And that's a good point. Yeah, got browser wars as well. You know, Chrome is probably the leader, and then operating system wars, um, depending on different places, but. I think WordPress, WordPress as well as, you know, if you look at some of the more successful theme companies out there, like Astra, what Astra's yeah. doing, and plugins like Elementor, the functionality has come on. It's hard to remember that the functionality has come on heaps and bounds in the last year, um, you know, in terms of being able to build, build sites almost with one click, which is very appealing to the markets like Wix and um, Squarespace. That, that's kind of the markets that those guys are, so those those markets, the Wix markets and the Squarespace markets, are being attacked from all sides, really. Plus, you've got, and I'm not sure this is true, but you've got Gutenberg playing into that as well, and that's only gonna that's only gonna grow the WordPress market share because the technology is getting easier. You know, it's getting easier and easier to roll for for non technical people to roll out sites. So that's gonna play into it as well, I guess. Do you know what? Um, just a comment here from Cameron Jones. He says, those none and other CMS platforms look quite popular. What would be really smart is to go out so go out and like register the domain other or none.com and launch yourself as a CMS and instantly take like 30%, 30% share right away. Yeah, it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And these numbers are just gargantuan now. I feel so well armed when i talk to clients which yeah. i do increasingly infrequently but that that kind of authority that kind of look we are 42% of the website even if we end up hating each other's guts you can just go somewhere else and there'll be somebody who is really capable of taking your website over from me because well more you know 42% of the people building websites are doing it with this platform. It's fabulous. I feel so fortunate. A um, couple of other comments. 
quickly here. That other 9.5% is interesting. So that's the, the sort of bit of all the other bits together. I wonder if it's decreasing rapidly and converting. Yeah, I'm imagining that every time WP goes up, those little colorful slices there on the page just sort of shrink slightly and, and WP inherits them. I think as well, um, I've, seen, I've seen over the last, I mean, this has been happening for a while, but I've definitely seen more enterprise type companies shifting across to WordPress in the last year that, that had that normally had in-house developers potentially that were a bit sniffy about it. And those have sort of starting to being, um, well, the, one, the objections are being answered, but two, some of those teams aren't there anymore. So in-house marketing teams are taking over the directly the marketing and looking at WordPress as a solution. Yeah. I've seen some of that stuff happening in the last year as well. Yeah. Um, whoever this is, thank you. I am so sarcastic. I love it when people are sarcastic right back at me. Quote of the day from Nathan, which I do increasingly and frequently. Yeah. Okay. Foot in mouth. Thank you very much. Whoever that was, go and click on the Facebook link and uh, and we'll find out who you are. Um, should we move on to the next one? Because I want to get a couple in before uh, yep. Jamie has to go. So this is this is all about Elementor and it's you again, Paul, isn't it? So let me pop that one yeah, up on the so- page. Elementor celebrates five years since um, since it started. I think it was actually a fork of another system, actually, at the beginning of Elementor, but five years since Elementor um, started its journey. And this is this is quite interesting because this sticks on to the statistics thing. There's, they're aware of over 8 million uh, websites active with Elementor. And now... Elementor accounts for over 5% of the entire web, which is bigger than the number two CMS. So Elementor alone as a plugin beats Shopify for market share, which is insane. And um, yeah. as, as well as um, celebrating you know, what Elementor has achieved, I'm, I'm not an Elementor user. I'm a Beaver Builder user. I actually work for Beaver Builder um, part-time. Um, but you can't deny what they've achieved is 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 pretty impressive, and what they've you know the they've, they've obviously got some problems as well with things like um, performance. Uh, they they sometimes get kind of criticised for that kind of thing. But as for kind of creating a platform that has empowered agencies, freelancers, and site owners to to go and create complicated sites, some of them great, some of them a complete mess. They've they've created a tool that people seem to. Uh, go to. I don't know what their current growth um, uh, angle looks like, but every time I've checked on the um, used by website, I forgot the website's called now. Built with. um, Built with, yeah, built with. It's still growing and growing sharply. So, but I've got got a slightly controversial um, opinion to throw in and just see what people think about it. So, uh, Elementor is accounts for over five percent of the web, over twelve, almost thirteen percent of entire WordPress installs. Now, if you take Elementor out of the picture, is WordPress still growing, or is Elementor um, growing WordPress for for WordPress? I think the answer is that Elementor and WooCommerce combined are growing WordPress. But if you take them two out. Is WordPress actually a bit stagnant if you take those two killer apps as such out of this of the picture? So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that one out there that if, if Elementor went and did its thing that everybody thinks it's gonna do, which is go and potentially fork WordPress one day and go out on its own. 
do, does Matt Mullenweg have to start going back down to the thirty percenters every time he does a presentation? Oh, imagine, imagine, <laughs> imagine if nice something it. began with a three at some point in the future, how difficult that would be. Yeah, we've shrunk. We've <laughs> shrunk. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I was saying the other day, I think it was maybe on last week's episode, that if we wait for 10 years, WordPress will probably account for 140% of the internet. You know, <laughs> every website plus 40% will be built. I think it's going to start going down. I think after, I think it's going to go up to around 45, 50%. Then I just think something crazy will happen like this, you know, this thing Spencer Foreman for, uh, was saying the other day about Wix would buy Elementor and then fork the entire WordPress and launch its own thing and take away a huge chunk of users. Shopify might up their game and then WordPress would be around the 50% part but never hit that 80% and potentially start going down because another, another controversial one to throw in there because I don't think Gutenberg is a killer app. I don't think that that when it comes down to you take Elementor and WooCommerce out of the picture, that someone might go, oh, I prefer using Gutenberg than Wix. I'm talking about like the mom and pop businesses here, not like developers or anything. So I, that that's just one of my opinions and I, it's pretty crazy probably, but it's just what I, what I think at the moment. Well, Paul, I, I actually want to jump in on that, that, yeah. you know, I think you bring up a lot of valid points, but what I think a lot of people like about WordPress is the fact that they're not tied into any one host or one company. Mm. Whereas, you know, while I realize everything today is software as a service and, you know, Google or, you know, Microsoft 365 and you're tied, you don't have a lot of flexibility. People still in certain aspects like to have that control, especially when it comes to, the marketing of themselves or of their business. It's one thing for back office operations to say, okay, we'll, you know, fit with whatever restraints, but when people want to market themselves, they, everybody's a little bit different. So I think, um, you know, you're not going to see people. I, I think if Elementor, as you were saying, if, if they went and said, oh, we're just going to be our own thing and you got to do things our way. I actually think it'll hurt. It would hurt them because again, people like having that flexibility. Yep. Yep, could be right. That's it. I think uh, it's very difficult to predict at the moment. Jamie, what do you think? <laughs> um, so if, I, I think, I think the element thing is really interesting. I think with um, we talked a bit before the show about full site editing. I think that that's going to be a real challenge for all the page builder companies out there over and above where Gutenberg is now. Because that fundamentally, once you start experiencing full site editing, which is the ability to design the whole site using blocks, once you experience that, then you start to think, well, where does a, where does a page builder fit into a theme that you can design the header and the footer and everything on, on the site in blocks? And you, you kind of come out of that experience with the conclusion that they don't really fit in that ecosystem where everything that you're using in WordPress is a block. So then, you know, you talked about Elementor forking off to become a SaaS or something like that. That makes perfect sense to me. You know, if I was running the strategy in Elementor, I'd be heading in that direction as quickly as possible. Because if in t if you wind forward two years and Gutenberg has become, Gutenberg is becoming more and more powerful and pe people are building, you know, really cool sites with it now. And you get all the advantages of a unified interface and lower training costs for enterprises and being able to tap in, into the... WordPress ecosystem, 
and other things that blocks are bringing you uh, and the fact that all the loads of investment if you look at the investment that's going on out there a lot of it's around buying companies that are building block-based things at the moment and a lot of the call cool of innovations happening around Gutenberg you know that's 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 my impression of where this you know if you wind for two years um, and you say good good Gutenberg's not a um, killer app. I think it probably is the killer app, and I think that's probably you know the, the, that's where all the innovation is happening. Um, so yeah, that that would be my view. That if I was uh, an elementor at the moment, I would be heading straight off to you know if they've got five percent of the market already, they're kind yeah. of really, they're kind of de facto forked it anyway. If you look at if you actually use if you use Elementor to its fullest, you're kind of not really experiencing WordPress in many ways. Yeah. You're kind of, you're kind of using a different tool anyway, or if you're using a Divi, you're not really using WordPress anymore. No. You're kind of using a different system in many ways. So they kind of already have forked it. One of um, the things that I find quite interesting, sorry, Jamie, I don't know if I interrupted you there. Apologies. Uh-huh. Um, is that I, I foresee that in a couple of years' time, not only will we have full site editing in a fully fleshed out way, but third party developers will have, will have added their own take on top of full site editing. So we'll probably have the capability to to have a different way of creating menus and a different way of creating headers and all sorts of different options by different companies. And at the moment, if you're if you're using a proprietary page builder, for want of a better word, they've got to build on top of that platform and that one platform only. And I suppose you're taking a bit of a risk that 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 platform will continue to succeed. And obviously everybody's thrown their boat in, their, all of their stuff in with Elementor because it's a rising tide over there. But um, you just wonder if if full site editing became on par and then all the third-party stuff. And there's so much amazing Gutenberg third-party stuff at the moment yeah. to the point where I just can't even keep up. Somebody produces something each and every minute, it seems like, that supplements a piece of the functionality. And that, I think, is the problem, is nobody's got time to play with any of it. Um, but also, I think we're at, the, we're at a point where it's still not usable, if you like. It, you know, the full-site editing, if you were to deploy that into the wild, I think at the moment you'd, you'd have a bit of a, of a death wish, really. You'd just ask him for trouble. But give it a year, we'll, I'm sure we'll be on safer, safer shores. Yeah, I mean, I played, I played with the uh, T, I think it's called T1. Which is the, the t- yeah, TT1, I think it is. T1, yeah. which is, I, I recommend anyone go put, stick it on a test server and go and play with it. And it takes a bit of getting used to, but I just built my own, uh, I built a header. And, you know, it's quite a profound thing because you start just thinking, well, I'm not restricted to this layer at all. You can literally use a columns block and I can stick my logo over here and I can have a weird thing over here. So but there was literally nothing I couldn't build in terms of a traditional header just using full, full site editing, so editing. So coming from a, if you've used WordPress for a long time, it's it's so different in terms of what your the restrictions you're being used to. Um, and then you start thinking about what theme's going to be in the future. And you think where themes like Divi fit into this, um, and they're, they're going to be incredibly lightweight and fast. Um, so it's and you know there's opportunities around that. Um, and then you look at patterns and the opportunities around block patterns and the cool stuff that's going on around that at the moment. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think the you know blocks are clearly going to be a huge. We're right at the start of um, blocks of where how they're going to disrupt the ecosystem. I just have a quick look at some of these numbers though, because you know if if you were in in the Elementor crew right near the beginning, the likes of Ben Pines and so on. 
you've got to be proud of yourself. These numbers are just breathtaking. So yeah. 5% of all websites, I mean, who who that who can even claim anything like that? Eight million websites uh, apparently are active currently. Have I got the zeros right there? Yeah, eight million yeah. websites. Yeah. I mean, just look at this. They claim that a new Elementor website is created every three <laughs> seconds. So but in the time it's taken me to do this sentence, what's that, five or so? New websites launched with Elementor. Um, they got a five five thousand two hundred ninety nine five star reviews. I don't know where that what the other reviews are looking like, but um, fifty four supported languages, two hundred and seventy three core releases, one lines of code, and their communities. You know, again, which other which other community in the inside the WordPress ecosystem? can say that they've got like their own meetup network. Yeah, there are literally meetups. There's one, I think it's like three or four in the UK, just elemental meetups. It's it's a phenomenal achievement. And whether you love it or don't use it or dislike it, you've got to take your hat off to them. They've totally aced it. Yeah. Just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful execution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chris Hughes, Chris Hughes says one point not one line of code added, non-removed. That yeah. caught my attention as well. Yeah, that one. yeah. It's like they maybe want to remove, <laughs> reduce some of that bloat or something. Cameron speaks of Divi meetups. Yeah, that, sorry, Cameron, that isn't. I'm not suggesting they don't exist. I've not heard of them. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. So if there are other meetups, then I think that's impressive too. Uh, this kind of goes, the next piece is, is a Justin Tadlock piece on WP Tavern. It's entitled WordPress Theme Lock-Ins and Silos and the Block System. So uh, of all the positive stuff that we've just been talking about and how great it is that blocks are coming along, Justin Tadlock, who everybody knows I really admire, he's got a slightly different take on it this time around. And he's talking about the fact that over the last decade or more, it's been in t- there has been this entirely frustrating experience. If you have, if you've gained functionality as a part of your theme, let's say he makes the makes the use of portfolios. You know, you you download a theme from wherever it may be, and you you start to use their portfolio functionality, and then you decide you just want to flip over to another theme because you're fed up of the way your website looks, and you realise, oh, oh, the theme did that, oh rats and all of that stuff has gone so he's worried that in the past obviously theme vendors have been able to lock you into their ecosystem and he goes on to talk about how this may be something that is just beginning with blocks as well so essentially he's just putting a flag in the sand and saying we need to be mindful of this we need to be concerned about this and on the screen right now is our two photographs one where he set something up in uh, with a block uh, and used one theme, and then he went over to a different theme, and you, you can see the difference is striking. You know, something completely worked on one theme, and then it broke on another. So what he's, his conclusion basically is the ship has sailed for this. This, this stuff is from F- WordPress 5.0. This is what we got. We, it might happen that we can have vendor lock-in again. But he's saying, if that's the case, let's just make sure that those people who are building themes are really taking care of their people. And, you know, if you've got a theme company, you've got 15 themes, make sure at least your own offering is interoperable so that if you switch from one of your themes to another one of your themes, it just works as you'd expect it and not have not have this mess of things working one time over here and not over here. And he's saying that, you know, reputations can be forged in this way and we're just at the beginning of that. So I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced the frustration of something totally disappearing but imagine if it happens in blocks 
that would be annoying. Well, yeah, I, I, I use uh, WP Bakery as my main builder across a number of themes, and there are some elements that are theme-specific. Now, if I really wanted to get into it, I could start copying because you could move the elements between um, themes for how those work. But to this exact point, but I actually want to look at it in a slightly different way, is that somebody said to me recently, he said, well, wait, does it really matter what theme I'm using? And I said, no, because for the most part, the themes are just visual composer or page builder, whichever one you're using. It's just a predefined layout for that page. It's, you know, it's some style sheet things, but for the most part, for at least the sites that I was building, it was literally, it's just, okay, which of the widgets for that uh, page builder are we using? The theme almost didn't really matter because if I switch themes, as long as the widget's there, I get the same result. So um, I, I very much respect that opinion of, you know, being locked in. And I think, you know, we see that a little bit with Divi, I think, where, you know, you get locked in and you can't change to anything else. You got to rebuild everything if you're going to switch themes. Anybody? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the the article is bemoaning to a certain extent the fact that we didn't necessarily have to have this lock-in situation. Right. But like you said, the ship has sailed. And, and in one sense, it's kind of like almost everything will probably end up with lock-in, even if they'd planned it in a much more meticulous way that tried to make the framework less prone to lock-in. But I think what it will mean is that you'll probably, like you said, Nathan have to choose your vendor to a certain extent and you'd be you'd probably be able to happily skip around um, the different themes from a particular vendor so like in the old days of studio press for instance where you could switch between the different themes and everything would work or your your gen you know your genesis function functions would work because they were all hooking into the same places and stuff and I think that the the block version of that, in the future with full site editing won't be quite as um, code based in that sense. But I think that you, your careful theme shop will think about that in advance and make sure, and it'll be, a, and it'll be a, almost an opportunity to say, Hey, come with our thing, buy our membership. You get access to the 20 different themes that we've got. Right. You can hop between them at any point, And most of the time it works. But to be honest, I think the biggest theme shop that we're going to see is wordpress.com. I think they're building the tool to a certain extent. They've got lots of people placed in on the project. They can make a completely closed um, environment buy some of the plugins that they want to be part of that environment, make sure that the entire ecosystem for someone who opts into WordPress.com always works. And WordPress.com was always like this. Uh, you can't really do what you need to do with it. But if you bring full site editing, into wordpress.com and they've they've made it a kind of safe environment where you are less likely to destroy your sites like you could if they gave you access to the php code on wordpress.com then they've got an, a pretty amazing product that really does you know beat wix and squarespace and all those kind of things so that's where i think i think that a lot of wordpress growth in the future will be on wordpress.com because the brand name of WordPress is with them. People always say, well, if you want to be able to do anything you want, you need to go with WordPress. Then that person will start looking at WordPress and then they'll find the wordpress.com theme shop that 
didn't before, but is now able to say, you can do almost everything now. You've got WooCommerce integrated. You've got this. You can add on these other things. So I think that there'll be tons of growth with uh, WordPress.com. And I think the theme shops that succeed will probably have to follow a, a method uh, similar to however WordPress.com um, roll this out, but maybe without the website as a service type aspect to it, but more like a studio press uh, model. Again, making it all up, just it's just what I think at the moment. And, it was um, interesting, Paul. Yeah. I was on a chat with, as you know, I was on a chat with Brian Gardner this mm. week, and he was making the point that um, <clears throat> that it would be it was really hard for them for Genesis Studio Press to to make everything compatible. It was a lot of work. He was saying, you know, just to make sure that if it worked with one Studio Press theme, it worked with all of them. And so he's got this new product which is coming out fairly soon. It's a block template offering, and he's he's really thankful that hopefully if people choose sort of fairly design agnostic themes this problem won't won't come about too much jamie i know time's tight so if you've got anything to add on that might be uh i was just reading the article actually and trying trying to work out actually what what he was getting at um so i think he was talking about using i think he was talking about using standard blocks but when switching between themes the standard like if you use the paragraph block then then you switch themes from the background would change which was right which is um i was talking about um plug and lock in i guess more generally i mean one of the, one of the great things about wordpress is this is this uh freedom to move between there's a, there's a real friction and an interesting friction in wordpress that there's this um one of the best things about it mm-hmm. is the thing that most users don't know it's the best thing about it that you've got this freedom to switch between themes and plugins and the data own belongs to you and you own the terms and conditions of your site if you're self-hosted but if you look at actually where all the growth is or has been, you know, you've got things like Divi and you've got Elementor uh, and you've got tools that constantly push people into these silos. Um, this is a more gen- generic point than um, the blocks. So a lot of the growth is around um, companies that are actually sort of, uh, not giving users this freedom. Like Divi, you can't really, you're locked into Divi and the Facebook groups are very closed. Um, so there's this fantastic friction in WordPress that you've got this this beautiful ability to switch. And it's a really powerful thing about WordPress, but a lot of the companies that are succeeding in it aren't actually um, utilizing that freedom or giving people that freedom. Some are for sure. But yeah. some, some of the more successful ones aren't. Um, so, and I see that a lot with customers who don't really care about the fact that you have the freedom to move your content away from their site. They just want, they just want to use a plugin that they can build a site quickly with. Um, but I think it's something worth battling for if you're if you understand why, you know, why um, having the freedom to move your stuff or having control over your stuff is really important. And the same with things like separation from content from design is a really cool concept in WordPress that most users don't really understand that your content, your content, you know, having that separate from your design is a really cool thing. So if you want to have a rebrand in six months time, you can do that without having to recreate it all. But a lot of users just want to use a plugin that they can build a site quickly with. Yeah, that's a pretty and, good and that's fair enough. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but you shouldn't lose that um, that ability. And I think that's kind of what Justin was getting at. That the, the blocks give us this, but the way it's been designed, it's not working terribly well. 
yeah, there is the there is the chance that you'll get that frustration where you switch over to a different theme and all of it doesn't look the same. Doesn't but that's a really good point. I think I think we as WordPress people stress a great deal about the the ability to move from this that and the other thing whereas i think you're right you know look at the rise of things like elementor people just want something that works yeah and if if this works and i get the ui that's all i care about yeah Yeah. good point good point yeah there's more this and especially i see this in enterprises and small businesses actually where there's the more strategic stuff that don't really need to know about but it's incredibly important so they'll, they'll have enormous technical overhead in their businesses that they're building into it because of the technology choices they're making but you know you you say to them well six months down the line how are you going to train somebody internally to use this tool this bespoke tool that you're this proprietary page builder that you're using and it's like well i haven't really thought about that um Mm. which which is one of the big things that plays into a lot of the sort of block-based conversations i'm having with people at the moment actually (laughs) i'm I'm wondering if uh cameron is is using heavy sarcasm over here it's almost as if the block editor was rushed out without addressing significant technical concerns uh, like, like it's a first time camera almost jamie um yeah. i know that the time that you've said you needed to go has now arrived yeah. cool if you guys, need to pop you. out that's fine very Thanks nice lot, to jamie. have you we will carry on but uh, see, you again. On. see you again come back please yeah cheers bye um, right. Let me just see if I can cope with that one. There we go. So now we're on a little three, the three of us. So it's Phil, Paul and Nathan all the way from now. I think, um, I think Jamie's audio was being, I think he was maybe had a microphone attached to his laptop there. So mm. hopefully it'll be a little bit quieter from now, now on. Um, have we done that one? We should um, move on. There was one of, I'm trying to remember what it was now. Um, yeah, it's gone. It's gone, gone, so yeah, let's move on. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> In which case, we're going to talk about plugins for the next few minutes. We've got four things to mention, including a brand new plugin. Um, I confess, I don't know almost anything about this, so uh, and I'm struggling to get the screen to share as easily as I did on StreamYard, but that seems to have worked. So what's this about, Paul? It's called Orderable. This is uh, Adam Prizer's new plugin, actually. Hmm. So Adam, um, obviously the well-known YouTuber, has uh, a bunch of plugins now. Um, I think the first one he did, the first major one that he, commercial one that he did was Cartflows, where he partnered with Brainstorm Force. And then the next one that's been really successful, and I use it all the time actually, is Presto Player, which is a video, uh, like a, a video player plugin for your websites and um, that integrates with a CDN or can kind of rebrand the way that YouTube looks and stuff like that. Gives you all sorts of good options. With that, he partnered with um, Andre Gagnon from Project Huddle, so another really well-known developer. And this time, um, he spotted a a gap in the market where with, with the whole COVID and pandemic thing, people needed to, small businesses needed to be able to have a kind of local ordering solution. So for instance, pizza that gets delivered to your house and you can order it online and choose a slot when that's going to happen, that kind of thing. And what happened during um, the pandemic was there was a lot of um, SaaS-based apps that came out that would give, that, that were able to launch very quickly and, ap- and enable these businesses to, to, to do this, to, um, to deliver stuff, but one of the problems of a lot of these a lot of these SaaS apps is that they charge a lot of money, sometimes up to forty percent of the sale price of whatever's being delivered. So, let's say you're selling pizza normally, and someone comes into your shop and buys a pizza, and you sell it for ten dollars. 
now you not only have to get the pizza to the person, but you're only making $6, for instance. So that's just a random example. So seeing as, you know, it seems that this whole idea now of local delivery is here to stay, pandemic or not, um, Adam this time partnered with a company called Iconic, who um, are the company that just got, um, I don't know if he, he partnered with the company Iconic, but he partnered with the the the, the founder of Icon, Iconic. Uh, who's, James I think Kemp. James Kemp, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is some kind of uh, collaboration between Adam and James. Um, and James Kemp's company, Iconic, was just sold to uh, Liquid Web, and it's a suite of around 15 to 20 different very powerful WooCommerce plugins. So there's a, there's a lot of experience there in that team that's gone into this plugin. And um, it's on a kind of pre-sale at the moment. Uh, it seems to be a good solution for agencies and also for small businesses. So there seems to be a bunch of different pricing options there. And I think there's, there's still 21 days left on the pre-order, but go and check it out. Um, there's a video on the site where you can sort of see a, vi- a, a complete video tour of how it all works. So it is, is it literally like your pizza venue that's got that just suddenly wants to go SAS, but they don't want to pay yeah. through the nose and they just want to be able to take phone calls or take stuff on the web and yep. have it just all managed on their website, whatever that ordering is? Yep, it's right. it's kind of like that, but it also gives some good power to the end user. So let's say you're a, a local butcher. So I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of local butchers selling big packs of sausages and burgers. I don't know if don't know if that was around by you as well, Nathan and Phil. But around here, the local butchers were kind of doing meat packs and stuff like that. And what this plugin allows you to do that a lot of the apps probably don't is number one, get rid of the fees associated with running the business like that but also it includes some kind of simple funnel type stuff. So you've got things like um, one-click upsells. So for example, the person is at the checkout, they've just bought their packet of sausages and then they got offered a half-price pack of bacon, for instance. Um, That's just one example use case. Or for instance, if they're ordering pizza, then there's a discount on the dessert that comes along and it gives them the full power of WordPress to do everything. And then it uses the WooCommerce checkout for them to be able to pay. But from what I understand, the WooCommerce integration, I haven't really tried it, but I was looking through the page trying to see where is WooCommerce in this. And it seems to be very minimal um, mentioned part of the, the plugin. Uh, so it seems to me that it's really just using WooCommerce as the checkout. Right. And the plugin is, from what I understand, pretty self-contained. So you go in there. And you do it all within the interface, so kind of friend, quite friendly to um, to the end user, I think. So, I've I've seen agencies buying this and end users buying this, but uh, yeah, Phil, I don't know if you have many clients that were hit by the pandemic and needed to switch to this kind of local ordering system. No, but I I do. I actually have a couple of pizza uh, places that, as you said, it, you know, it they charge a significant. They charge twenty five percent plus on some of these orders for doing these deliveries and whatnot. And this could be a, you know, a benefit to some of these. Uh, I live in a very high retiree uh, community area. So people, you know, 
that with the pandemic and everything, they didn't want to go out. So this could be very beneficial to a lot of people. I think it also goes to though how the workflow is internal to the businesses because the one thing that I will say that those other providers give, even with their percentage, is they give a workflow management that it's just here, it just adds in into your system, it bumps the, the tickets in the kitchen and all that. It would be interesting to see how this integrates to all that. If it does, yeah. it's completely standalone. Um, because I think that's the big piece that isn't always thought about is the back of house operations. So on the website, they, they mentioned that they do order layouts, uh, product add-ons, order bumps, one-page ordering, time slots, order flow, holiday scheduling, floating cart widget, and then order management. And then the, in the in the roadmap, if you like, coming soon, it says custom checkout. So that's interesting. So is that what you were meaning, Paul? Maybe it just takes the WooCommerce out of the picture. Checkout tipping, SMS and WhatsApp. Ooh, that's intriguing. And then timed products so you can make things expire after a certain date and so on. So they've got, it's really interesting. That, that We were talking about silos earlier, about plug-in mm. silos and what have you. That, any concern for you, Paul, that if you got into this and it, you know, all of your orders were going through here and then you suddenly sort of fell out of love with it, you might be stuck because everything's stuck in there? Yeah, you would be, but I think you would be with any situation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to be honest about this silo thing, I'm not really concerned about it because, like Jamie said, it's always been a thing anyway. You you mm. sort of, the growth in, in WordPress has been, you, you know, you sort of, choose your stack and then you're sort of stuck with it really and then yeah, the only way you yeah. can work your way out of that is to say okay i'm changing my stack the next website i build will be with this new stack and i'll and i'll go with that yeah, and then you just and, keep doing that over yeah it. yeah <laughs> and then yeah. you end up with like managing yeah. 15 different stacks on yeah. care plans and stuff That's but, right. um, but yeah i mean back to that whole lock-in thing just briefly you know when we've we, we've had Anne mccarthy on the show and i don't remember if we've ever spoken this on air as such or this was possibly an off-air uh, conversation but I, I remember her talking to us about why um the full site editing is not just important to people for what it does but also for the future of wordpress as an open source software so that mm. no matter how many companies let's say GoDaddy, who phil has you know association with or um liquid web or any of these companies that are sort of um building these sort of pre-made platforms like chris hughes earlier said about that godaddy has got uh, a very powerful woocommerce platform that it that it can push out and that is probably behind a lot of people choosing that over shopify because it's a done for you combination of things but Anne mccarthy was saying to us well that's great that that's all happening but we are you know uh, on the core projects at wordpress.org want to make sure that there is always a choice to opt out of these pre-made packages or or whatever, you can always just download the thing, download the plugins that you want, and that you know, in a world where everybody is trying to build their stack and sell it to us via the hosting companies, there's always a choice. So with something like this, I don't think it's the same sort of lock-in. I think this is such a niche product. Mm -hmm. It's a case of that. This reminds me of what Dave Foy said to us once: uh, was that when he was running his Elementor course. A, a large percentage of his customers were like, what's WordPress? And they thought WordPress was the plugin. This is weird, annoying thing that you have to have in order to run Elementor. So they, wow. they, came, in, they came in and they, they, they came in through Elementor's marketing and were like, why do I have to press update on this WordPress thing in the background? What's that for? Um, 
And I think that a solution like this is kind of like, it, it partly gets marketed as a, as a WordPress solution, but it really can be marketed as its own solution that doesn't really care whether WordPress is involved or not. It's just that you need WordPress to have it. It's because it's yeah. so niche. And there's other products like that as well um, when they're niche. I think um, that's a wonderful thing about WordPress is that it does, you know, allow you to just uh, create these products on top of that framework mm. and uh, and do that, yeah. You've got to love the URL as well, orderable.com. You've got to think <laughs> that I'm so surprised that didn't go like in 2001 or something. Well, orderable. it did. It did some history on this. Oh. Um, I think it's. I think this is the one. Anyway, a while ago, Adam on his YouTube channel um, released a video saying, "I'm releasing something, and I've just spent twenty thousand dollars on a domain name." Oh, okay. So he did a video about it, about kind of why, when there is something that is so perfect for your situation and you know it's going to work, taking that risk is worth it. Twenty-five k. Yeah, I know Chris Chris told me that he was talking to Adam about this, actually. And um, so Chris probably knows a bit more background about it. But then eventually when this product was um, announced, it was it was announced alongside, this was the domain that I bought, this orderable.com. I just, it, we needed we needed that name and um, we went for that. So Nice, worth it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can't afford to buy a 23 grand domain, no matter how successful any of my ideas are. So um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I can get uh, orderable.info nice... or something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, orderable.fish, <laughs> which is my favorite domain name oh, idea. Just anything. Who's ever going to buy .fish anything? Um, maybe like, I don't know, fishmonger.fish or something. But this is the, <laughs> it's the weirdest one. Um, okay, so let's keep it going. I don't know who this person is, but thank you for contributing. Um, yes, apparently that was the project that Adam was talking about. So yeah, I think so. Nice. Yeah. So orderable.com if you want to check that out. Right, let me try and get things back on the screen. I'm struggling somewhat with the, the new way of doing things because it keeps putting things in. Oh, no, that's work first time. Hurrah. Um, so if you are an Astra user, you may uh, be pleased to know that the theme has been updated very quickly. Just run through, run through a few things. We're on number 3.5 is their, is their number at the moment. And they talk about the fact that they've got increased speed faster loading front end with optimized CSS. I won't go into the the boring nature of all of this, but basically they will conditionally load CSS across your website, but also conditionally load it up on the page that you're looking, sorry, the page builder that you are using. So I'm guessing that if you're on Beaver Builder, they'll just chuck out all the stuff that might have anything to do with Elementor. Um, although for all of that fanfare, it didn't. It didn't seem to me that the the difference was all that magnificent. Maybe I'm just being a bit picky, but the the CSS file went down from 18.5k down to 16.4. Which, well, I suppose as a percentage, that's a pretty big decrease. But you've shaved two, just over two kilobytes off the CSS. So anyway, there we go. They've also released some fairly nice controls for um, posts, related posts. So for example, if you're looking at the screen here, you can rename the related post um, control. So you can give it a title. You can then also, depending on the, the device that you're looking at, you can say, I want to show one column 
of related posts or one column on desktop and two on mobile. Why you would do it that way, only God knows. But there you go. And also <laughs> they have got responsive visibility. So you can also toggle off things like the site title and the site tagline and things. And then pretty much everybody's talking about accessibility at the moment. And they have made some modifications to the the sort of the way the colors contrast, they're going to make it so that they suggest colors which have a high contrast ratio as opposed to if you pick something which is difficult to read, which is my default. I always pick the difficult to read font colors just because I've got no idea about design. And uh, <laughs> But it's nice, nice little update. I don't, I'm not really using Astra anymore, but it seems like there's a whole bunch of nice stuff that's come out recently. You can build headers and footers in their UI and stuff like that. So nice little improvement yeah that related posts title tech editor <laughs> yeah you can actually edit the text I mean, it's of so the title. those are the sort of things where you're kind of like i i, I want to use this related post but your average user won't know yeah literally like, I, I, it's just going to say related posts i can't make it say anything else how do i how do i do this um was building a site in Cadence just the other day because I wanted to give it a go and see. Because um, normally I'm, I'm typically a Generate Press user, and um, they had that feature actually because I had some related posts. And I, I was so relieved to see I could change the text because mine needed to say related videos, right? And post was was going to be completely out of context. And my options, if it, if that the option wasn't there, was going to be to try and find the PHP filter or something to yes. change it Hook or it do in, something yeah. like that. And I didn't want to. I just wanted it to be there. So it seems that um, Astra is still active. I don't know. Um, it seems to have lost its um, momentum. It was the fastest growing theme for a long, long time. It probably is the the most, the, still the, the winner of the most active installs for a premium theme, I think. Then they had that thing where they got chucked off the repo for a couple, oh, of, yeah. a week, a couple of weeks or so. Yeah, I forgot um, that. But it seems they're still listening and looking what the competition is doing. And um, and someone just said, wasn't Astra acquired? I don't think so. No, I don't uh, think Cadence so. Was, Cadence was, but Astra, so far as I know, is still a brainstorm. On the um, on the, the post, it's it's written, the post right at the very top, it says it's written by Sujay, who is the, mm. I'm going to say, CEO yeah. of Brainstorm Force. I don't know if that's actually true, whether he's the CEO or not. But he, as far as I know, they've not been bought out. So, no, I think it's still under the same management i've heard nothing and i am a i am an owner of that product and so i would have hoped to have heard so i think yeah, me too. rest assured yeah. that's fine yeah Phil, hey, Paul, you... a, a quick a trick for you for that i've used on a number of sites where i needed to rename uh, some sort of string and i didn't want to have to go into the um php and have to worry about it breaking is a plugin called loco translate um and that i'm just translating the english um, translation file, the main translation, yeah. and that I change the string there, and then it it, it yep. gives me the ability to, to do that. So I've done that with both plugins and theme elements, and it's worked really well. And I I, I can't take ownership of, of that trick because it was actually provided to me by a by a plugin author when I said, oh well, how can I change this? They're like, oh go go use this, and you can change it. So. So you translate in English to English, basically. That's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And what's that plugin called again? Because that was a super Loco, tip. Loco Translate. Nice. Loco Translate. All right. Yep. Fantastic. 
I remember back in the day when I was building Magento sites, hardwired into Magento was this capability to basically anything that appeared on the screen anywhere mm-hmm. in a Magento website. You could just say what the original string was and then next to it write what you wanted it to say, and it just figured it all out. And every time it appeared, it just became exactly what you want. So typically, cart would become... I don't know, um, bag or something. We, we we don't really use shopping cart here. We use the word trolley often. And things like bin would become trash and so on and so forth. So mm. you could fiddle around with that. And I, yeah, that sounds like just what you've recommended, Phil. So that's cool. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, okay, moving on very quickly. Let me just get used to this platform again. There we go. Next one is the Page Builder Framework. We haven't talked about um, the Page Builder Framework for a little while, but this is nice. They have David Von Gries, of course, the uh, the owner and developer over there, has added the, the capability to, well, it, it says, I'm excited to let you know that we've added full support for generate blocks to our custom section feature. Paul and I have both played a little bit. I think probably fair to say that Paul's played with it more than I have, but um, Generate Blocks seems to be like a really, really credible way of building layouts with blocks. And um, now the Page Builder Framework out of the box will support that. They've also um, added, they've also created their first block. They're they're calling it the notice block. And uh, David makes the point that, well, he'd already created all of the notices that were required. So he decided to to make a block out of it. And so now you can can put things like an error message or a warning message or what have you um, into your posts and pages. And this bit, I think, is really nice. Uh, On the screen, I'm showing you the quick edit menu for something in the Page Builder Framework. And typically, there's just a few little options in there. You know, you can change the post title and you can change the the date that it was published and whether it's draft or what have you. But David's put an absolute boatload of stuff in there. So basically, everything that you would be able to control if you opened up the post itself. So whether it's got things like sidebars, whether there's a footer or the header's gone or you wouldn't just a left sidebar, all of that is now available in the the quick edit menu. And it might be that I'm just being ignorant and I've but I've not seen that before. No, all that's a cool that. feature. That is yeah. a very useful feature, yeah. Yeah. I've really only just started using Quick Edit because I made a point in the Facebook group, the WP Builds Facebook group, about six months ago. I, you know, I made this sort of slightly snarky comment. Nobody uses Quick Edit. What's the point of it? And then like a torrent of like, you're an idiot. Everybody uses it. <laughs> You've been wasting um, so much time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I've started using it and yeah. I've quickly found the utility of it. Because honestly, yeah. I just figured by the time I've clicked that and it's just gone down, I might as well mm. just go in. Anyway, and now all of that's in there. My my theme of choice, I'm hoping that they follow suit because that's just really, really cool. You know, you suddenly know it's, oh, bugger, it's got a sidebar and you just want to get rid of it. There you go. So bravo, David. I think, personally, I think that's such a cool feature. Um, and then there's a bunch of other things, um, little sides, if you like. There's an option to rename WooCommerce cart menu item text, option to disable WooCommerce gallery light box, um, WooCommerce menu item shortcode, and improvements to the Gutenberg integration. He doesn't mention what they were. But uh, yeah, some phenomenally cool little updates there. Nice work, David. Paul, okay. Phil, anything on that? I think the generate press, sorry, the generate block support is a really nice one because uh, first of all, it's, you know, David is absolutely happy to announce that he's integrating with a product that is owned by one of his major competitors, Generate Press. 
And uh, I think that that's actually just how Tom at Generate Press and David from um, Page Builder Framework are. They're just not, um, they're, they're kind of let's work together rather than work against each other kind of people. And um, so I think that's a super good update because what, what it's done, I think it means that Generate Blocks can now be used in their custom sections thing, which is kind of like hooks, I think. So let's say you want to build your own footer uh, out of blocks. It means that it's quite difficult to build a footer out of blocks without something like Generate Blocks and specifically without Generate Blocks. It seems to be the best solution specifically for that because of the way its grid its grid module is is so far ahead of anything else I've used anyway. So it's it's brilliant. It means you can use Generate Blocks with the Page Builder Framework and you know it's going to work. So a lot of fans of, of um, his theme are going to be pretty happy about this. The problem David's got, I guess, is that his theme almost does everything that it needs to do now. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess like probably the sort of things we'll see from him um, in his updates will be making it work better with the cadence blocks or making it work better with the stackable blocks or something like that. And him being able to say, my product is what it is. It's not trying to be cadence. It's not trying to be Astra. It's not trying to be Bloxy. None of these kind of things. It's not even trying to be generate press. It's different. But what I'm going to do is make sure it works really well with all the third party things that almost everyone who is my customers tends to be using. So mm. that's what I, that's what I think he's going to do. I haven't spoken to him about it, but it looks to me like that is the case. And that'd be a good news for any user of his product, I think. Mm. Um, Phil, what what's your go-to theme um, these days if you were choosing it rather than inheriting the site as such? Yeah, the, the main theme that I use is one that I found through... Um, through theme farce, it's called uh, Lambda by uh, Oxygena. I've been using it for a number of years now, and it uses uh, WP Bakery as the main uh, page builder within it. The biggest thing that I like about it is that they have a skins functionality, which is in essence the style sheet that, you know, rather than having to go in and uh, use one of the third party um, integrations to control the style sheet elements, they, in essence, do a custom post type, and it's, so it doesn't add as much overhead to the site load, I find, um, and that they just, from that custom post type, build a CSS file from that. And I, I've been using it for a number of years. I actually got concerned because um, they finally just released an update about two weeks ago, but before that, it was like December of last year. Yeah, and okay. you know, that's one thing that you know we, we're talking about updates that, you know, that I always get concerned about when I talk with clients about picking a theme is trying to find one that is actively being updated because, you know, WordPress is adding so much. And if they're not updating the themes to take advantage of the new features in WordPress, even if you're not using all of them, it's still, it's like, well, at some point, is this theme going to break? Am I going to push upgrade on WordPress and all my sites are now going to break because that theme hasn't been updated to keep up with it. So that, yeah. that's my big concern of, you know, of any of these themes that, you know, if they're not being actively developed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. We all want to be able to sleep easy at night and seeing the, uh, the change log. So people like David putting that stuff out, um, is just great. You just see it and you see that there's new features and he's taking care of some bugs and what have you. Cause that was the last point on the list. I think was, uh, he just says and more, which I presume might be bug fixes. Just gives you a bit of a 
bit of reassurance that it's not going away. It's nice. Yeah. The yeah. um the next one is on Paul, but I, I've got to say just before we begin this one, it's about iTheme security, and it kind of feels to me like th- three or four years ago. I was I was really making use of iTheme security, and then all these other rival things came along, like WebArcs and Malcare and all of those, and they really took me off, and I stopped basically using iThemes uh, for for no reason other than that these nice shiny tools which did things, and it looked more interesting. I stopped using those, and but now iThemes, according to this new article that we're going to put out, it looks like they've done a real big overhaul. Over to you, Paul. Yeah, I am a fan of iThemes uh, security, and I've been—I didn't stop using it. Um, one of the things about WordPress security for me is I don't really understand what what's actually going on. So, um, so, but what I do know is that I want to have something that hardens WordPress, something that is a firewall, and then something that is scanning uh, properly. So, my stack these days tends to be iThemes security mixed up with uh, Malcare. So I know that Malcare has got a firewall. It's taking care of scans really well, and it's also doing all the backups. Uh, well, it's doing one, one at least one level of the backups for me, and I use it all the time. And I I was also combining it for a while with WebArcs or PatchStack, as it's now known. Of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually removed PatchStack from my, from my security stack because it didn't – Nothing. I mean, this sounds so cowboy – but um, nothing bad happened when I removed it <laughs> from tons and tons and tons of sites. I just wanted to remove, you know, when someone was getting blocked from something, like a, a client was getting blocked themselves, I was like, is, is Malcare blocked them out or is iThemes or is, or is PatchDAC? And I was just like, I just don't know anymore who's getting blocked by what. So I removed I removed PatchDAC. I'm not saying people should remove PatchDAC, but I did. And I stuck with iTheme Security Pro. Um, I know it's been sort of criticized in the past. There's been, um, I, I saw uh, uh, Dopey Johnny, uh, the guy who's well known for um, uh, performance improvements and stuff like that as a real expert in that. He was he called it a checklist plugin, um, which are kind of, it is really in a way that you kind of, you have all these different things and you, you assume that because you tick in so many boxes, it must be doing lots of good stuff. Well, the funny thing is in iTheme Security Pro 7, they've sort of admitted in a way that there was a lot of aspects to it that were that were just checklist stuff because one of the major things they've done in, in this version 7 is remove 15 to 20 different uh, features that they've basically said this feature is just not relevant in 2021. So we're just removing it. Mm. Let's just get that out of the situation we don't need it anymore. So they've removed those kind of things, but then they've added some hardening in other areas that felt more relevant to them um, now based on what 2021 is. The other thing they've done is completely redone the interface, which was much needed because it's been the same interface for at least five years, as far as I can remember. Yeah. And the best part that they've done in this is the onboarding. So if you install this as a brand new plugin, um, the onboarding is Fantastic. It's like a questionnaire. You go through, you even sort of say, are you a um, an online shop? Are you a brochure site? These different kind of questions that start you off with the most important if you don't know what's going on. And you're like, I, I don't know. Don't, don't ask me hard questions, but I'm a brochure site. It'll say, don't worry, we'll take care of it. But then as you go through the, the, the onboarding, you can 
you know, get more granular about the different things that you do want on and the things that you don't want. So it's it's a really cool update. And what pleases me about this is I've, you know, I've got a lifetime deal with IceClean Security Pro. I've also got a lifetime deal with Restrict Content Pro, which is now owned by the same company. And in my opinion, Restrict Content Pro also needs a massive over, you know, overhaul, just like they've just done with this. So I'm hoping that my other, you know, product that I bought, Restrict Content Pro, gets the same treatment that iTheme Security Pro does with great onboarding and features that people need now rather than things that were useful five years ago. So a really, a really good update, to be honest, in, in my personal opinion. And I'm glad that there's less things that I don't understand now. So that's good as well. Yep. You a, you a user, Phil? Yeah, I, actually, I, I have the same lifetime license on this that I got back in like, it was like version like 3.7. Yeah. They were running a, a, a special at some point. And um, I had been using this pretty much exclusively up until about two years ago when I switched to uh, WordFence and Curry. And the biggest reason actually that I liked WordFence was the fact that it actually did a file system scan for malware versus iThemes was always just doing it as sort of like the end user where it would do a front end website scan. And there are t- times where you get malware that, you know, you never see from the front end. Um, actually about four or five months ago, um, iTheme sent out an, an email saying, oh, you know, we're interested in getting feedback. Are you available for like a, a Zoom session? And I spoke with the guy and I actually um, did a whole screen sharing with him. And it's interesting to see what they've now done in 7.0 because a lot of the things that I'm seeing here were things that I know that I specifically had mentioned to him where I said, you know, I think that iThemes is very utilitarian, at least in its current format, that you look at that screen of settings and Paul, to your point is, if you don't know what you know, some of those things are, it's like you look at it, it's like, what on earth am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Yeah. And then each one of those settings had like five to 10 settings within it. And I said, you know, I'm a tech guy. I understand a lot of this, but if you want the... Um, you know, the average end user who's just going to buy this a, a one-off site, they're going to be completely overwhelmed by this. Um, and in seeing these onboarding screens, I think that that is huge. Now, I don't know from some of the underlying features that, you know, have they improved some of those or is this more of a, you know, make it look a little prettier and easier to use, but they haven't really necessarily changed from the background things. I think that time will tell as it starts getting rolled out. But um, Paul, like, like, like you said, I think that this is a huge step in the right direction in terms of usability of the product. Yeah, I mean, it's, it isn't that often that you see a complete overhaul of the UI and, and a company just stripping out a load of stuff and saying, we've just stripped out a load of stuff. It's way better. Mm. I think that's really cool. But also, I wonder if it speaks to the fact that maybe they've done some research and figured out who their audience is. You know, maybe maybe they've got an audience who they've really nailed as well they they really aren't that technical we just need them to to handhold them through it um one step at a time explain what's going on and and you know we're talking about elementor earlier most of those people i would imagine who are using um sorry that's ridiculous not most but a lot of people who are using elementor could certainly be non-technical users but they might discover that you know there's a 
solution that offers me protection online. I've heard this is something I need. I don't really understand it. I need to be talked through it. But also, really cool that you were on the call today, Phil, and you actually had a chat mm-hmm. with them, and they listened to what you said. So it's it's a bit like there are some companies that kind of go off my radar, and I almost think they're going away, that we won't be hearing from them. And I, I kind of had that feeling about iThemes a little bit, but everything that's going on at the minute means all of that was wrong. You know, they've acquired Cadence, which is about the hottest property, it seems, at the minute. They've bought um, they've bought a brand new version of iThemes um, security out. It seems like everything's going well for them at the moment. Nice. They're updating the free version as well very soon. Mm-hmm. So the free version will get a similar sort of treatment. But yep. I mean, I don't want to get too much into the business side of things, but just briefly, um, if you imagine that, you know, they're, like, like GoDaddy has its kind of WooCommerce platform version of things. And uh, GoDaddy has its um, integration with Security that is kind of can be potentially invisible if you if if the package um, does that. So the same thing can kind of go for, for iThemes and their, you know, Liquid Web, their Liquid parent Web, company, yeah. that they can launch this and say, hey, let's set up your site. And you go to the site and you're like, let's choose your theme. And you, right. and you go right. through this full onboarding process where you choose your cadence, your cadence is there. It's already there, the pro version. You choose your template. Okay, you're done. Right, let's set up your security. What kind of website are you? You said that when you chose this one, you know, you chose this template, which is an e-commerce template. So let's get you set up for that. Right. And I, can see, I can see this kind of, you know, bum, 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 bum. And then you're... um. And then you're good to go with your website. Right, let's do your SEO now. And I don't know if they've bought, I don't think they've bought an SEO plugin yet, but I, I wouldn't surprise me. Um, there's there's a bunch of SEO plugins are, that would be, there are, yeah. That, yeah, that, you know, you got Yoast and then you got all the rest, which are all buyable, I think. They're, you know, run by small teams and, and potentially, you know, people might be, there's a, I'm sure a number of those SEO plugins, SEO press type plugins, will be considering. I'll sell <laughs> if, yeah. if, if someone, someone I, offers me enough money. Can I ask you a question, Paul? Because mm. you've used Cadence certainly more than I have. Um, is there anything about this UI which which is similar? I mean, the, the, obviously the uh, first yeah. thing that comes to mind is yeah, it's yeah. blue, right? I mean, but that's yeah, just – is is there some coalesce, coalesce, coalescence? Is that a word? Uh, do you think iThemes stuff is coalescing around this one UI and that the sort of iThemes bit will match the cadence bit and it'll all just feel like the liquid web Stellar WP bit? Yeah. So I've only used cadence twice, and from memory, one of the screens that I land on regularly in the back end – is the kind of the, the the screen that where you can control all the settings within Cadence, and actually it does look just like this with a bunch of rectangle blocks in there that take you to things. When you click the majority of them, they're just shortcuts to part of the customizer. Uh, right. So that's basically what you're doing. But it wouldn't surprise me. I didn't I didn't think about it, Nathan. But now you've now you've asked that question. I wonder if. The you know the team at Cadence and the team at iThemes Security had a little Zoom call where they looked at each other's interfaces and they said, because that's one of the things that they've said about all these acquisitions at Liquid Web, that it means the teams can uh, right. cross pollinate ideas. Right. And iThemes would say, look, we really need a, a big update to our um, user interface. Who's done it well within our family? Cadence have done it pretty well. Well, let's get on a Zoom call with them. And uh, and they can tell us what we think we should do, and we'll combine that with talking with some of our end users and agencies like Phil, 
and and then we can roll something out that we feel confident is tried and tested and takes account of what the users asked about and and wanted as well so yeah there's definitely some similarities nathan definitely i think i think the takeaway here is if you've got a plugin which isn't working as as you'd hope just give phil a call and he'll <laughs> yeah. uh, he'll sort you out on a zoom call just get you <laughs> yeah, straight <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I've seen a number of the plugin authors, at least the bigger ones, you know, ask for feedback because as much as, you know, seeing the feedback in the, you know, in the WordPress.org, you know, in the support uh, groups and also like in uh, Code Canyon, but getting feedback from actual end users and seeing real world case studies of how it's being used, I think it helps you know, not only the plugin author know how to do something with it, but us as end users to get a better product in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very important. Okay, we'll just sort of move on. But that was a that was interesting. Um, this is this is just something a little a bit of a self plug, I suppose, in a way. It's not really a plug. It's me asking if you would like to come and be present when I talk to Mark Westgard later this week. Um, Mark Westgard has a plugin called WS Form, and Honestly, go and check out WS Form. If you if you want a dead simple form solution that will just you know take a contact form, th- this might not be it. But if you if you want to have a a form solution which enables you to do really horrifically complicated things in a in a UI way, this is fabulous. I I remember I first came across it a few months ago. David Wormsley put it in a podcast that we did about um, forms, and I'd never heard of it. And it didn't take me long to figure out that Mark has really done a fantastic job. It is incredibly impressive. The way that you build the forms is a bit like the old tool set layout way of doing it. You've got this grid of 12, and you just drag the form fields on, and you make them as big as you want. So you might make the, I don't know, the name and the email half, and then you can say on mobile, make it look like this. And so you really can configure it how you want. But then you've got calculations and conditional logic, and it connects to just everything. It's truly impressive. Um, And I'm talking to him Wednesday, uh, exactly this URL. If you're watching this, you can come back to this in two days' time. Uh, in fact, two days and about 40 minutes. And uh, and get get your questions out there. Ask him what it is that he's done and why he's done it. So I'd really appreciate it if anybody wants to join. Then, uh, yeah, we'll be doing that this time next, well, in two days' time. So there we go. Bit of a plug. Next one's a bit of a weird one. Why are we even – why have we got this one on, Paul? I've never heard of this before in my life. Zion Builder. Is, Zion um, Builder. Yeah, so this is a – page builder or a um, site builder I think I've not really fully tried it that much but I think while we've got the we've got the Gutenberg project going we've got Elementor doing its thing we've got some of the the old guard Divi and Beaver Builder doing their thing and then there is a some new kids on the block um, and probably those the two that I, I'm seeing people talk about is our, our bricks, bricks bricks builder mm-hmm. uh, which is I don't know if it still has a, a lifetime deal at the moment, but it launched with a lifetime deal. I think. I it think it about, does. Yeah. Yeah. It was about just under two hundred dollars, I think, or something for the lifetime deal. And then another one that I was just ignoring constantly was this one called Zion Builder. Um, until I do see it being talked about in in um, communities by people who I think know what they're talking about quite a lot. Um, so this is a 
a theme company who did this, who had a theme called, I don't know how you pronounce it, actually. I've never tried to pronounce it. Let me just try and pronounce this. Kalias. Uh, Kalias Kale, theme. That'll do. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. It's a bit like the Lambda one that um, Phil's talking about. It's one of these kind of, we've got 70 pre-made demos and you can start right away and it comes built with a a page builder built in. But I think that Kalias didn't use Dopey Bakery, it didn't use the Elementor free version. It had its own thing called Zion Builder. And I think what they've done is they've completely rebuilt Zion Builder to be something that replaces the old Zion Builder that was part of the theme and replaces the theme. So I think this is a I think this is a full site editing type solution similar to Bricks. And the reason we're mentioning it is just because um, there's a deal on AppSumo for $99. Yeah. Um, AppSumo seems to just, you know, has changed a lot over the last year or two. It used to be lots of SaaS tools, but they they started this thing called AppSumo Marketplace, I think, which is where almost any company can decide they want to kind of list on there and AppSumo will take a big chunk of the money and everything. But Zion Builder seems to be getting a lot of people talking about it. I don't know too much about it, but if someone is is looking for the the new the new kids on the block and has tried bricks and wants to try something else and figure out what their what their thing is going to be for the next few years then Zion Builder isn't a brand new company it's been around for a while they've done themes for a long long time and they they built a page builder before and it was it wasn't bad and this one is apparently pretty good there's uh Chris Hughes in the comment who said he hasn't bought this lifetime deal and I think we can all uh, if you've ever listened to this before, <laughs> you can guarantee that Chris hops on every lifetime deal. So he's saying that's the litmus test. But uh, I don't know. I mean, there it is. It's on AppSumo at the moment. It's, what is it? Did you say, Paul? It's $99. $99 for unlimited sites, I think. It does look like it's yeah. got a theme builder in because I'm looking at it on the screen. You can insert a header and then you add yeah. your body, you know, for a single, for, I don't know, a custom post type or a WooCommerce product or what have you. And then you can add in the footer as well. So oh, just amazing what's, what's Yeah, possible. I think it's another performance-focused one as well. So, okay. you know, the criticism of a lot of the old systems was there's too many divs. Uh, Oxygen came out, and I think they invented the the phrase. Um, Divception. Divception, yeah. <laughs> and then and then Oxygen, so Oxygen was like, hey, we, it is possible. You know, it's not just Gutenberg that can do this. Then Bricks has come out uh, with a slightly different angle, and now Zion Builder. Um, so there's a, there's a new there's there's appetite for for companies to take this risk and launch something like this in the world of Gutenberg. So there's still there's still people bringing out their edge cases and saying, "Hey, I'd be happy with 0.2 percent of the entire." Yeah, yeah, because it's still a boatload, you know I mean? isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris, um, sorry, Cameron's saying I think that Chris's signal it's this is Chris's signal. He's been kidnapped. He's so. rescuing. You know, if he, if he uses the words, I have not bought this lifetime deal, somebody quickly phone Chris up. Um, he says the main reason he hasn't bought it is because he needs things like ACF integration and everything else. Unless these builders yeah. can get big enough for people to make those add-ons, then they aren't much use to him. Yep. <laughs> it's like a message within a message. Cameron, I'm blinking <laughs> twice. Is that the signal? Very nice. Very nice. Um, okay. There we go. Zion Builder. Anything about that one, Phil? No, not off the end. No, fair play. Right. Okay, we'll move on. Last one. I just want to bring to everybody's attention that um, Ninja Forms are 10 years old. We were talking about WS Form a minute ago. Now we're on to Ninja Form. 
10 years old and if you are if you sign up to their list this week apparently they're going to do a bunch of deals during the course of this week some of which may be 80% off memberships and add-ons that they've got I, I honestly can't spit I have no inside knowledge into what that means but it's already started so if you go to ninjaforms.com forward slash flash dash sale you can get yourself on that list. And they also, if you just scroll down at the bottom, they've also partnered with a bunch of other companies, Codable, Email Octopus, Nexus, Kinster, Give, amongst others. And um, and you can just copy a copy and paste a coupon code on the on the website and you'll get some cash off some other plugins as well. So just thought that was a nice little nice little way of celebrating your birthday, not only offering cash off your plugin, but organizing it so that you can have cash off other people's stuff as well. Neat. There we go. Okay, last one is, well, I say last one. It might not be the last one, is the pick of the week. I don't know if Paul and Phil have got one. I do. Um, and it is, it's Professor Brian Cox, the ever-youthful Professor Brian Cox, the man who is far cleverer than he should be allowed to be, at a far younger age than I am. Um, did you know about Phil, that he was in the charts with a, a band called D-Ream? He was the guitarist, yeah. I think. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He was in like the yeah. charts and he went on tour around Europe and stuff. Yeah. And uh, and all at the same time as like studying to be, you know, studying at university and finally becoming a professor at Manchester University in physics, which, as we all know, is a really easy thing to do to become a professor of physics at Manchester University. And, uh, and he puts together these fabulous programs about the cosmos and space and stuff. And he's been doing it for a decade. And he's got so many programs under his belt now that loads of the stuff that he said 10 years ago and over the preceding years has changed. So he's going back over his programs and saying, here's what I said, and here's what's true now. And oh my goodness, some of it is just so mind bending. Watch the one about time. It's just like, what? What? How, how can that even vaguely be true? It's absolutely brilliant. So highly recommended. If you're not in the UK, you'll have to use a VPN, I think, because the BBC. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that. I didn't actually say <laughs> do that. <laughs> didn't say do that. Not it's got ever. a podcast as well. Uh, yeah. It's called The Infinite Monkey Cage. It's called cage. The Infinite Monkey Cage, and I listen to it every yeah. week, and it is good. brilliant. Yeah, really good. It's yeah. about science, but it's a comedy show about science. He's got a, comedy, a comedian sidekick, and it's really good as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's my pick of the week. Anybody got anything? Phil, I can lower Paul. the tone. I can lower the tone here. It's a YouTube channel. It's my favorite YouTube channel at the moment called Viva La Dirt League. <laughs> Viva La Dirt League. And it's kind of, it's good for, you know, nerds, people who are into computer games, video games, Xbox, PlayStation. It's just a comedy YouTube channel. Uh, really funny. So check out Viva La Dirt League. Do you know what? Like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if, um, Phil, you've got kids and I know, Paul, you have, but I don't know, like, Nobody watches the telly in my house anymore. The telly is a conduit to watching online stuff. So that's like YouTube or Netflix or whatever. There, There is no hint that we're going to sit down at 7 o'clock because this thing is on. And YouTube has always been of real, really no interest to me. I, I kind of watch the stuff that I go and look for. But my kids, are, they just love it. And there are people who are making content, you know, like, 18, 17-year-old kids who are just killing it on YouTube, making content. And I'm looking at it thinking, a kid did that. That's like a TV program. You Really? And they love it. I tell you, YouTube is a license to print money. Mm. Well, 
this is a great segue to the site that I'll I'll give. Um, this is a site I use. It's EpisodeCalendar.com. Um, what you can do is it has you know a database of thousands or tens of thousands of TV shows and all the episodes that have either aired or when they will be airing. And you set up an account and you can track the shows you've watched. So, um, you know, I watch a lot of TV, but a lot of it I watch either recorded or, you know, on demand. And this allows me to say, wait, what have I actually seen recently? Or did I miss that episode? Because, again, when you watch a lot of TV, it's like, oh, I can't keep track of this. Or if you're right. binge an old series. <laughs> so, so, hang on, I've missed the premise there. It keeps track of what you've done. It, it somehow knows that you've logged in and you've watched this episode on YouTube and this you thing. You log in and it has a calendar of the upcoming shows or any shows that you say, oh, well, I want to track this. It then gives you a series of checkboxes that you check off each episode as you watch it. Nice. Very Isn't amazing? Yeah, that yeah. is really useful. I confess, I'm just not really a television consumer. I've just never really been all that into it. But it is, it's phenomenal to me the way that the internet has taken over what felt to me like a totally rock-solid business model, regular TV. And you've got to worry that people like Brian Cox and his fabulous TV program that I've just mentioned, my concern is that people will only be watching YouTube and stuff like that, that the, the kind of the marginal content that has only got a tiny audience will kind of get pushed out. And that's my concern. And I won't have Phil, I'm uh, sorry, I won't have um, Brian Cox on the telly anymore. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Viva La Dirt League will still be available to you. Yeah, of course. You can yeah. go and watch that yeah. instead. Yeah. yeah. So mm. spell that for us. Viva La Dirt League. Is it V-I-V-A? V-I-V-A-L-A. And then dirt league, like okay. dirty, dirty mud, and league okay. like football okay. league. Yeah, okay. I think there's probably a few people here watching probably watch this channel as well. But um, Phil's um, Phil's uh, Phil's uh, uh, suggestion here is really cool. I, I can see on screen one of the ones is Suits, and this is really useful because Suits was on Netflix, and um, but they it was one of those things where you didn't get the latest season. So when you got up to the thing, you're like, right. Suits is, is now on season seven or something, but I'm stuck at end of season five. I can't watch season six yet. And then you just go away from it. And then three or four years later, you're like, I was somewhere in Suits, but I'm too intimidated to go in and try and figure out where I was and figure <laughs> out what had happened. And so if you're kind of keeping track of where you were, then yeah, that's great. Been. Especially if that system kind of has like a, a quick synopsis of, you know, that's the thing sometimes when these shows are, you don't see them for like two or three years. You forget what was even going on. During the pandemic, there was this plugin that we installed, uh, extension that we installed into Chrome. I think it was called Watch Party or something, and it integrated mm. with Netflix and it allowed you to basically have a comment thread like we've got yeah. here, but you're all watching the same program and somebody has the ultimate control of when you press stop and when you press yeah. play. And we did it a couple of times. It was really good. It was really nice fun. Um, loads of little services like that cropping yeah, up. My yeah, my daughter was using it. Yeah, yeah, with her friends watching films together. It was really cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Disney Plus now has that built right. into their platform, and I think yeah. everybody is doing it. But, yeah, now – and actually what this also gave me was once I had caught up on all the current um, shows that I watch, it was like, oh, well, here's a show, you know, that is, you know, from five, ten years ago that I always wanted to see. I never had time then. And, oh, it, you know, let, let me start watching that. And so I keep track of that as well in there. So, um 
So yeah, no, and this is built, I, you know, this is one of those sites that I think it's built by like a single guy. Um, he talks about the tech, technical things, like it's Ruby on Rails, I know is what he uses for building this. And, you know, it's, you know, I like supporting the small guy when I can on certain things. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. And of course, YouTube, if they're successful, will, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll they'll probably buy him up for a large amount of money because <laughs> it gets people to watch more because it figures out what you haven't yet finished watching. Um, oh, good grief. Oculus, yeah. that's the thing that goes on your face, right? Yeah. The Facebook thing. VR, VR headset, yeah. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. No, I'm not ready for that. But um, anyway, there you go. Uh, that's it. I think we're done. That We've got everything done that we want to do. So... I'm going to say goodbye. Normally, when we end this show, there's this sort of like awkward, wavy bit. I because I don't know how long it's going to take for the stream to end. I have no idea if we're going to have an awkward wavy. I think bit. we should do a two-second wave, so right. we don't just do a, a microsecond wave. Then hit the button and see what happens. Okay, so yeah. if we all wave, Ready? right, and we'll start go. now, and we'll go one, two, and I'll hit.